Welcome back to Hindsight is 2019, a podcast where we look at 250 years of Dartmouth history to 25 objects from the library's archival collections, one per decade. I'm Peter Carini, and I'll be your host for this episode. Some decades are just difficult. The 1880s is one of those. It's not that nothing happened. It's just an odd time period. I mean, can you think of something major from the 1880s off the top of your head? I don't mean just Dartmouth. I mean nationally. Sure, if you're into the history of science, there's a rise of electricity and the invention of the light bulb. Yes, the Brooklyn Bridge is completed and open to traffic, and Mark Twain publishes Huckleberry Finn. Gunslingers like Wyatt Earp and Jesse James gain names for themselves, but really, can you tell me what Chester Arthur was up to? Or William Henry Harrison? It's just an odd decade that really doesn't stand out. It's the same at Dartmouth. Believe me, I looked. I delved deeply into the financial crisis that engulfed the college at the time. I investigated President Bartlett's conflict with the faculty and the alumni. I looked at the history of the agricultural college that became the University of New Hampshire after it separated from Dartmouth. But really, it just felt like so much inside baseball, even to someone who wallows in the college's history on a daily basis. Not the stuff of a scintillating podcast episode. I was stumped. I was even a bit worried. Then a colleague reminded me of an object that I run into over and over again while looking into some of the more scurrilous of Dartmouth's traditions. And I had it. Hazing. Oh yes, we're going to go there. I'm holding this little disc of wood in my hand. It's maybe about the size of a quarter, maybe as thick as four quarters stacked together. Don't worry, it's not breakable. It has writing on it that states, Taken from 85, September 16th, 82. The writing is in black, but it's been outlined in red. This innocent-looking little piece of wood is actually part of one of the more violent of the freshman-sophomore competitions known as Cane Rush. But before we dig into Cane Rush, let's take a look at the issue of hazing at Dartmouth. Like most colleges of any age, Dartmouth has a long and complex history with hazing. In fact, a certain kind of hazing, often associated with English public schools known as fagging, defined as working hard at a tedious task, was actually written into the college's official rules in 1780. The rules stated that freshmen shall at times appointed for diversion do the necessary errands for all senior classes who have themselves served a freshmanship, provided they be not sent more than half a mile. You can imagine what this type of rule led to in the hands of less than scrupulous upperclassmen. In 1795, the freshmen, thoroughly fed up with running errands, decided to run them as a group with a band for accompaniment. When the faculty objected, the class agreed to forego this privilege when they were upperclassmen, on the condition that they wouldn't have to continue to run errands. This led to the official abolition of this rule, though similar practices persisted unofficially well into the 20th century. Interestingly, it was the students as much as the faculty and administration who objected to hazing, and they several times tried to do away with the practice. In 1869, the editors of the Dartmouth bemoaned the lack of originality of the current sophomore class, who could only manage things as mundane as oiling or spreading molasses on chapel seats. In the 1870s, the editors called for the abolition of the practice of hazing. A vigorous back and forth went on between the editors and those who saw hazing as an essential part of college life. In 1898, the students voted to ban all hazing, What's interesting about this is that many practices we would consider hazing today remained in place even after hazing was banned. It was only those who went too far, who 
who were seen as being in violation of the moratorium. The regular hazing of freshmen continued unabated, so long as no one got hurt or otherwise damaged the college's reputation. So why were freshmen the targets of hazing? Well, they were new to the college for one thing, but it also had a lot to do with class loyalty. In the 19th century, class loyalty was highly valued, and it was encouraged through a variety of competitions, primarily between the freshmen and sophomore classes. When I say competitions, I'm not talking about carefully organized baseball games, but rather something much more ad hoc and chaotic. And this brings us back to our object for this episode. Cane Rush grew out of an old tradition that underclassmen were not allowed to carry canes. Dartmouth has a long history with canes. In the early years of the college, canes were seen as a symbol of gentlemanliness and maturity, and freshmen were not considered worthy of this distinction. Later, the senior class would all purchase the same cane as a symbol of their class unity, not dissimilar to a class ring. In 1902, this developed into the Indian head cane. Seniors would carve their initials into the Indian head cane the same way you might sign someone's yearbook. During cane rush, the freshmen would show up at some public place or event. Chapel, a less-than-welcome requirement for students at this time period, was a favorite, carrying several canes. The sophomores, hoping for some fun and an excuse to disrupt the peace and avoid chapel, would post lookouts. When the lookout spied the freshmen approaching in a protective gaggle around two or three of their number carrying canes, they would shout a warning to their fellow classmates, and the fun would begin. Well, fun is one way to put it. The sophomores would charge out of the chapel and give chase. The idea was to wrest the canes from the freshmen. Contest was apparently without rules and quickly devolved into violence of both persons and property. It would last for hours, with students chasing after each other, leaping over fences, running through public and private spaces, and fighting all over campus, and indeed the town. The students even went to the extent of stripping to the waist and greasing their bodies to make themselves harder to apprehend. As you can imagine, it was not a contest the college administration viewed with much favor, and it did not help with town-gown relations either. The winners would cut up the offending canes and distribute the pieces among their class members, which is why we have this little disc. Despite the scowls of the faculty and president, Cane Rush was such a big deal that it warranted reporting on in the New York Times. Or, maybe the 1880s were as slow on newsworthy events as they are on podcast-worthy events. While it's tempting to view this particular tradition as unique to Dartmouth, it was, in fact, a common tradition at colleges and universities across the country. A quick search of the internet turns up references to the tradition at Harvard, Columbia, Washington and Jefferson College, and New York University. At Harvard, the Crimson reported that Cane Rush came to a screeching halt in 1884 when a freshman, fleeing his aggressors with a cane, struck one of them on the shoulder, only to discover he had not assaulted a fellow student, but the president of the college. Not to be outdone, the president struck him back, bloodying his nose. Over the course of the 19th and 20th century, Cane Rush appeared, was banned by the faculty, and reappeared, in what I think of as the push-down pop-up effect. This is where students come up with some enjoyable, to them, distraction from their studies that eventually gets out of hand and is banned by the faculty and or administration, only to have it immediately reemerge in a new guise. A good example of this, discussed by Sarah Holston in the episode Algebraicus Mechanicus, is the tradition of math burial. When the faculty forbade the burial of books on the green, the students turned to burning them on a pyre. Kane Rush has a similar history. When the faculty banned it, the students came up with football rush. And when that was banned, brought back cane rush. Or is it the other way around? Well, who knows for sure, and it's not really important either way, as I'm sure you get my point. 
While the students, and even the faculty, didn't view this as hazing at the time, it would definitely fit the definition today. Freshmen were the most likely targets for hazing, whether individually or as a class, and most early Dartmouth traditions revolved around freshmen being harassed by sophomores in ways not dissimilar to Cane Rush. Another example of these class hazing traditions is the freshman picture fight. This is one of the oddest of all traditions, though like Cane Rush, it's not unique to Dartmouth. The idea was the freshmen would have a class picture taken somewhere within the limits of the town of Hanover that included at least one class officer. It was the job of the sophomores to stop them. This rivalry reached such extremes that the freshmen would secretly send their class officers to White River Junction the night before the picture to assure their safety. When the sophomores learned of this tactic, they started to systematically hunt down the freshman class officers and beat them up so badly that they were confined to the infirmary due to their injuries and could not escape town. It was about this time that college authorities stepped in to end this tradition. Despite student-faculty attempts to end hazing, it remained a part of the college until 1993. Even then, it was only banned by the college because the state of New Hampshire created a law that makes hazing illegal. Cane Rush appears to have disappeared in the mid-20th century, though firm dates for the beginning and ending of these types of traditions are really hard to pin down. The Indian head cane remained a Dartmouth tradition into the mid-20th century. The vestiges of Dartmouth's fascination with canes can still be seen today. During commencement, members of the various secret societies march carrying canes representing their society. Thus, canes remain an important part of Dartmouth student life, even though Cane Rush has, probably thankfully, disappeared. Thank you for listening, and we hope you continue to enjoy Hindsight is 2019. Hindsight is 2019 is a production of the Dartmouth College Library and is produced as part of the celebration of Dartmouth's 250th anniversary. This episode was written and hosted by Peter Karim, produced and directed by Morgan Swan. Our sound engineer was Jay Satterfield. Additional sound engineering was provided by Joshua Shaw.